0: Good morning, welcome to Axios Today. It's the first of March and it's Wednesday. I'm Nyla Budu. Today on the show, a test for Trump as conservatives gather in DC. But first, the American industries and companies using illegal child labor. That's today's one big thing. The illegal use of child labor in the U.S. is on the rise, according to the Department of Labor. It reports that since 2018, there's been a 69 percent increase in children being employed illegally by companies. On Monday, the department announced new crackdowns on the heels of a New York Times investigation published over the weekend into child labor law violations involving migrant kids. These miners were found to be illegally employed in as many as 20 states and in facilities making products for companies including J.Crew, General Motors, Ben & Jerry's, and more. Axios's Nathan Bomey has been reporting on this. Nathan, first, can you remind us what constitutes illegal child labor in this country?
1: Well, it's not illegal for a young person to work at age 14 or 15 or 16, but they're not allowed to work in any sort of dangerous job. And they're also not allowed to work too many hours in a given week or in a given day. They're not allowed to do night shifts, that sort of thing. So that is one aspect of child labor violations. And then the other aspect is just kids under 14 in America are not allowed to have jobs.
0: Nathan, I think it's really shocking to people that this number is going up in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I I think that child labor seems to a lot of people like an issue that was from the past or from some foreign country. But the reality is that child labor violations are happening here and they're happening now. A lot of it happens underground. These are companies that do things that you might not know about in some cases, but in other cases, they're actually products that we all buy and we have in our homes. And so without realizing it, we may be relying on child labor to get some of the things that we use on a daily basis.
0: Are there industries that are especially implicated in using illegal child labor?
1: There's a few different industries and companies that have been cited here in the New York Times report and by the Department of Labor. For example, in the manufacturing industry, we're seeing some accusations that manufacturers are employing kids. Hyundai in particular in the South has been under investigation by the Department of Labor for employing kids in a contract facility. This is like an auto parts plant that makes parts for Hyundai vehicles. And so the other aspect of the economy where we're supposedly seeing this is in food manufacturing, food processing, meat processing in particular. A company called Packing Sanitation Services was Find $1.5 million by the Department of Labor for uh, allegedly employing kids in 13 different meatpacking plants. And these are companies that you and I both know. We're talking about Tyson Foods, Cargill, JBS, the major meat companies throughout America uh, are being accused of having kids on the payroll.
0: What incentives or forces are in place to lead to something like this happening?
1: I think the economy... You know, it says a lot. For starters, there is a really tight job market. And so companies are feeling pressure to get people in the door to do jobs and they are feeling pressure to raise wages. And I talked with one labor economist who said, some companies are clearly taking the short route. They're saying, I don't want to raise wages, so I will get someone who will do the job for a lot less. And that leads to breaking the law. Uh, You know, the other aspect is probably there's not been a lot of enforcement. You know, most of the companies tend to say, either we did not realize this was happening and we're going to end this right now, or they are not acknowledging it at all. But, you know, when I talked with a labor economist at the W.E. Upjohn Institute for Employment Research, he said that what happens a lot of times in these situations is that companies will end up getting the child labor through a third party. So that kind of gives them plausible deniability, where they can say, we don't employ the kids. It was this other company that provided the kids to us, and they're the ones violating the law.
0: And the New York Times investigation focused specifically on migrant children. What sets that population apart when we're talking about this issue of child labor?
1: Migrant children are just by their very definition in a very vulnerable place. They may not have the kind of economic security that another child might have. And so in some cases, they're actually providing for their families from a financial basis, and they may actually be sending money back. And so there may be pressure there to make money, to make that paycheck. And it may be uh, that they're not in school or that they feel that they, they need to take a job even if they are in school. And the Times story says that The Health and Human Services Department has not done a great job keeping track of migrant kids, and then this allows them to end up in this underground economy.
0: You mentioned there's a new crackdown by the Department of Labor. What will that consist
1: of? The Department of Labor says that they're going to be doing a crackdown by basically organizing interagency task force because there are various agencies throughout the federal government that have some responsibility for this. I think that they want some legislation as well to not just give them more money but also increase the violation. I think it's something like $15,000 per kid. They say $15,000 per child employed in a company illegally is not nearly enough. So we'll see if they can get Congress to take action to increase that standard.
0: that's Axios business reporter Nathan Bomey. And you can find comments from the companies Nathan reached out to and is reporting. We'll put those in our show notes. Thanks, Nathan. Hey, thank you. In a moment, what to watch at this week's MAGA-dominated CPAC. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. The annual Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, begins in Maryland today, and it's typically a pretty big deal, featuring the most ambitious conservative politicians in the country. But this year, things look a little different. Axios' senior political correspondent Josh Haar is here to explain. Hey, Josh.
2: Great to be here, Nyla.
0: Former President Trump will be at CPAC. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence are reportedly skipping this big event. Do we know why?
2: Well, look, Ron DeSantis is starting his own book tour. His book came out on Tuesday. You could call that convenient timing or inconvenient timing. But someone who would normally have a very wrapped constituency at CPAC will not be there in DeSantis.
0: There have been some news reports that Mike Pence and Ron DeSantis are staying away in part because of a controversy around some allegations that have been levied against the CPAC chairman. Do you have you heard anything from either of those camps about that?
2: I have not heard directly from those campaigns, but look, that that is an elephant in the room, if you will. The chairman of CPAC, the ACU, uh, Matt Schlapp, is dealing with allegations of sexual misconduct that are being litigated. They're, they've been publicly reported. But look, there are a lot of big names that are going to be at CPAC. You do have Trump. Trump's giving the keynote uh, on Saturday afternoon. Haley, Pompeo, Jim Jordan. You know, if you just looked at the guest list itself, I wouldn't necessarily know there was a scandal and controversy going on behind the scenes.
0: Can you back up a second and give us sort of the outside the beltway understanding of why CPAC has been such a big deal for the Republican Party?
2: Well, historically, Nyla, CPAC has been a good barometer of where the Republican grassroots, where the base uh, has been. It has not necessarily been reflective of where the overall party is. Rand Paul used to be the the Kentucky senator, used to be the guy that won the CPAC straw poll, and he never really made any traction. And Donald Trump was one that was one of the exceptions to the rule. Mitt Romney was not uh, supported that much at CPAC, and he won the nomination not that long ago. So right now, CPAC is MAGA world. It used to be more of the traditional ideological conservatives. There was much more principle. They may have been much more conservative than your average Republican voter, but there were a lot more principles uh, driving the attendees. And uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, even though DeSantis is not going to be showing up at CPAC, they do have a straw poll at the end of the conference. His name is going to be on the ballot. So it'll be interesting to see what Trump does versus DeSantis, how they perform against each other with the CPAC crowd.
0: So given what you've said, where does CPAC factor into the GOP and the 2024 presidential campaign?
2: It is where the energy of the party is, even if it may not make up a huge share of the voters. Ukraine is a good example where, if you look at the polls, a majority of Republicans still support strong engagement, helping Ukraine, financing the war effort against Russia. That, that That's a traditional hawkish Republican position the vast majority of these CPAC speakers are from the either the isolationist or the national conservative wing of the party. They're more Rand Paul and Josh Hawley and J.D. Vance. They think that we should spend more money at home than abroad. It's part of really the MAGA movement. But I think the biggest highlight is going to be how Trump is received.
0: Josh Kraushar is a senior political correspondent for Axios. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Nyla. That's it for us today. If you have a moment to leave us a starred review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. It helps others find our show. I'm Naila Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.